0: And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 357. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show. Coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. And a very happy Halloween to everybody out there, since this is going to be airing on Halloween. And just by sheer coincidence, we have a Halloween story to cover this week. So let's, without any further ado, let's move along to our review.
1: Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar, you behold in breathless wonder the God of Thunder, Mighty Thor.
0: Indeed, and this week we are looking at the Mighty Thor number 207. January 1973 is the cover date, 20 cents is the cover price. Cover art is by Gil Kane, inked by Joe Sinnott. Shows Thor being attacked by two glowy wolves, one of which is biting his arm, the other one of which is kind of looking over his shoulder and and looks like he's talking to him. In the background, we have the evil Loki, and he's holding out a glowing pink sword, or a sword, rather, with sort of pink bubbles or something around it. It's not really Kirby Crackle, as you would understand it, but I guess it could be the equivalent in in Gil Kane speak. Uh, We have a cover blurb that says, Special Haunted Halloween Issue, Where Demons Dwell. And we open up to the splash page where we have the title of the story, Fire Sword. Once they called it All Hallows' Eve, The Night of All Saints all souls these days it goes by another name perhaps a touch more colloquial halloween in the town of rutland second largest city in the sovereign state of vermont and we have a halloween parade going on but before we get to that we have the credits jerry conway was the scripter john pizema did the art vinnie coletta was the inker d vladimir was the letterer Glennis ween did the color marie severin did good works we'll talk about that at the end and Roy Thomas was the editor. And we have a parade going on, and there are people dressed as superheroes. So it's, it's very obvious, you know, made clear that these are not the real ones. But among them, we actually have a surprise. We have Superman and Batman. <laughs> we have Spider-Man, Doctor Doom, Captain America, Iron Man, The Vision, Scarlet Witch, Thor, Hawkeye. This is Hawkeye in his quote-unquote Indian costume. Uh, Quicksilver. Uh, The Black Panther, and it looks like there's another Batman and a Harlequin, and somebody dressed as a clown. Uh, Yeah, sort of generic Halloween costumes in the parade. So uh, we have here a group of four people. Now, the four people involved are Jerry Conway, who's the writer, Steve Englehart, who is another Marvel writer, Len Wein, who is, of course, the creator of Wolverine, and another marvel and dc writer and glennis ween who is actually the colorist of this issue and they're off to the side and they've got their own little subplot going on and we'll talk about that at the end as well it starts out with uh, i think it's the character of of steve englehart saying looks like jerry told us the truth people we're gonna have a good time and after the ride up here i can sure use it and lynn says you and me both steve i'm so tense i could punch something don't get violent Len." Tom Fagin's expecting us. Now let's get moved, says Steve. My buggy's still got wheels, even if it has lost a muffler or two. Ladies first, Gwynneth. You can sit next to me. And uh, Len says, "How'd you like a broken arm, friend?" Just kidding, Len. Sure you were, says Gwynneth. And they get in the car, and the car's making all these kinds of noises: Brack, varoom, brut brut brut. Yeah, so you can tell the car is not running as, as uh, well as it should. And this is uh, something that's referencing Amazing Adventures number 16, which is something that we'll be talking about at the end. This is, this is a multi-subplot plot. plot. <laughs> so anyway, so they're driving around. Uh, Jerry says, uh, hey, Steve, are you sure this isn't illegal? Trust me, Jerry, trust me. It's only a few miles to Fagan's place, and if we don't meet any more beasts, we should make it in five minutes, I hope. And it says, 20 minutes later, after a brief brush with the local constabulary, four weary figures make their way up a lonely, moonlit path. And it's the same people. And before them, the house. And they make it to the house. And they knock on the door. And Tom Fagan, who we met last issue, opens the door and he is dressed as Nighthawk. Nighthawk at this point, I think he was uh, squadron supreme or squadron sinister, but then he was a member of the Defenders for, for many, many years. Anyway, so he answers the phone. He says, Jerry, Glenn, Glyn, Steve, glad you could make it, all of you. Come in, won't you? Uh, Steve says, Tom, is something wrong? Your eyes. Just the light, only the light. Come in. We were just getting ready to leave for the parade, you know. And they go in and there's all these other people in there and there's people dressed as a witch and there's Iron Man. It's not a lot of the same people that we saw in the uh, splash, but they're just kind of gathering around in this uh, guy's living room. And Len says, I just know how silly this is going to sound, but something about Tom bothers me. I felt it too, Len, said "Gunnis, He seems so distant. It's probably nerves, says Jerry. Wait till after the parade. You'll see. But perhaps our somewhat skeptical friend would swallow those words if he can see what we can see and hear what we are about to hear. And we have the, the drifter uh, from last issue. And if you remember, that drifter turned out to be Loki. And he, the two dogs that, uh, that Tom had, you know, he's talking to them. Satan, Diablo, be still, friends. Thy moment will come, I assure thee. For the nonce, we must offer an unassuming front. "'to conceal the power within.' "'And and Loki is talking to Tom here. He says, "'And what of thee, Fagin, do the arrangements go quickly?' "'As you commanded, all is well.' "'Good, Thomas, thou hast done thy task. "'Now it only remains for the thunder-god to act as I know he will. "'Even as we speak, friend Fagin, I can sense his presence approaching. "'Yea, even alighting in the wine-dark Vermont woods.' Now, Thomas, now the predestined play begins. And it is Thor and Hildegard and Sif. and Basically, Thor is flying and Hildegard and Sif are holding on to to him. So it's very cumbersome, but they all end. And Thor says, here the mystic trail doth end. Within these shadows shall we find him for whom we search, the absorbing man and they're in these magenta woods and oh, a lot of trees are the sort of reddish magenta color and they're
1: all wandering around in there but my lord says sif what if thy hammer hath been misled are thou sure it followed the trail left by this crusher creel and not some other spore
0: as sure as i need be my lady sif for in truth this forest doth seem alive with evil yea invading evil a force alien to this land dark and deadly "'Tis like the fetid stench, the stink of crumbling decay.'" And we see Crusher Creel, and he's disguising him by absorbing the, the tree, basically the power of the tree, and he's absorbing uh, the appearance, and he, so he's kind of blending in in his uh, magenta wooden form. And he's thinking to himself, "'That's right, blonde boy, keep talking, "'and while you're yapping, I'll be making my move, "'taking the absorbed power of this blasted giant oak and using it And he shouts out, now, and he whomps Thor with his ball and chain, and Thor goes uh, back with a a whomp, and uh, he gets knocked into, looks like kind of a a bog or marsh or something. So much for you, handsome. So much for Thor, big time god of thunder. You're a joke, little man. Next to Crusher Creole, you're nothing. Nothing. And Sif is very alarmed by this, and she says, my lord. O cruel blow, so
1: foully struck, if thou hast taken mine only beloved. Lady, hold! Thy fear doth rise too quickly. Nay, Hildegard, the way he fell. Was but an
0: effect of weariness, says Thor, and he gets up out of the water, he seems to be okay. Long have I been without the balm of sleep, so fall I prey to unworthy weakness. Tis a weakness able to be stilled, however. Thor shall fight, and tis a battle he must win, alone.
1: Not so, my lord, says Sif. The blade of Sif will ever stand beside thee. Woman, I tell thee. Nay, I tell thee, Thor. Sif doth fight.
0: This she doth swear. And Hildegard comes and grabs Sif from behind to keep her from fighting, apparently. And I swear, my lady, the god of thunder must ever be obeyed. His hand doth lead us upon the planet earth, and none may say him nay, not even we. And uh, she's holding Sif, <laughs> basically under her arm, holding her up, like she's carrying her. And, and she says, Go, Lord Thor, seek thy destiny, and with it seek ours as well. And Thor is approaching Crusher Creel in the nighttime. We get some, uh, uh, yeah, like the full moon and the stars and that kind of thing. I but pray I be worthy of that faith, Hildegard. In truth, I trust the creature not. Some other forces at work here. And the Crusher Creel lunges towards Thor and he says, you wished unto God, that's what your ego wants to believe, because you can't take no one, I'm stronger than you, stronger than anybody. And Thork dodges Crusher Creel's ball and chain, but he th- hurls Mjolnir, hits him right in the stomach with a brack, and pushes Crusher Creel back. Tis a boast yet to be proven, Crusher Creel? And more, methinks thou dost protest too much. Go ahead, Curly, play word games, it don't matter. Nothing matters. See, you made your first real bad mistake. You let me touch your hammer, so he's absorbing the power of the hammer, and Mister, that's the ball game. And now he's he's absorbed the properties of Uru, and he's smashing Thor. Hits him with the ball and chain with a da doom. And causes a huge, like, earthquake, uh, you know, seismic event. Uh, got a big shockwave like the Hulk does, you know, or, or like Thor does. And it says, For 17 eternal seconds, the ground beneath their feet heaves, ripples as the awesome might of the Thunder God's mystic Mjolnir drives downward through the earth. Mjolnir, forged in the furnace of Giroder, the troll king, by legend and by Odin's will, too heavy for mere mortals to lift, but not too heavy to be touched. And so have its power absorbed by the creature known as Crusher Creel. And it causes, um, this big earthquake causes Thor and Crusher Creel to kind of fall through the Earth's crust. And it looks like um, Crusher Creel has reverted to his uh, normal form. And it says, um, long minutes pass, and gradually the echoes of the earthquake fade. And in its dust-caked wake, two figures stir, one pinioned by a hundredweight of stone the other merely dazed, and even now, awakening. I will say, this big rock on top of Thor looks like way more than a hundred weight. I <laughs> will say that. Anyway, uh, Thor is pushing the rock off on top of him, and he seems to be okay. And we shift scenes, and we are back with these marble writers. And they're in some kind of a diner. We get a whole page of this, and, and goodness is saying, A little snack before the parade? That's the fourth burger you've had since we came in here, Len. What's the rush, Glynis, says Steve. They still have to repair the floats. Uh, this, again, is referring back to Amazing Adventures 16. Let the man eat, peasants, says Len. Jerry says, look, we've been here an hour already. Obviously, we can't stay here all night. We can't, says Len. And goodness is laughing, and, and Len says, hey, what's so funny, Glyn? I just thought of you in those tights dressed up as Morbius, and that awful ripping when you... Yeah, well... What's so hot about your costume, wife? And, and she's dressed very obviously as Supergirl in her 1970s outfit with the mini skirt and the the, um, the S symbol above one boob, except it says G, which I'm assuming in this case stands for Who Whoever heard of Power Girl anyhow, says Len. <laughs> and Jerry says, don't listen to him, Glenn. My old roommate's got rotten taste. He married me, didn't he, says Glynnis. And it says... Uh, "'Several hamburgers and a malt for Jerry later. "'Hey, she's been in there 20 minutes,' says Len. "'You think something's wrong? "'Better ask one of the waitresses to take a look,' says Jerry. "'How many times can you powder a nose?' "'And the waitress goes in there and she comes out and says, "'I'm sorry, sir. There's no one inside.' "'Maybe she went on ahead, Len says Steve. "'Uh, uh, guys, not Glenn. "'Something's happened to her. I can feel it,' says Len. "'We've got to find her. We've got to.' "'Don't worry,' says Jerry.' We will. And we shift scenes, and we're back at the fight between Thor and the Absorbing Man. And it says, Elsewhere, a certain Norse god is far less sure of the ultimate outcome. as short seconds after we last left him. It looks like the Absorbing Man is getting ready to smash him with the ball and chain. Now, creep, I'm going to crush that blasted face of yours, and then I'll be free. Free to wreck this world like it almost wrecked me. Thy bitterness doth astound me, Crusher Creole, says Thor. "'Twas the world which did jail thee. "'But was it the world that made thee kill? "'Nay, I think not. "'Ask not for pity, Creel, "'for tis truly this that thou dost seek, "'and ne'er shall have.'" And, and he grabs Crusher Creel's ankle, flips him around, and, and throws him upward out of the hole, because they're like in this giant hole. Yeah, and he just goes flying up, and it says, "'With a shout, the thunder god hurls Creel's massive form upward, "'upward and out of the man-made cavern.'" And then turning his thoughts to other matters, Thor cries a single word. doesn't say what the single word is, but it says here, the true name of the mallet called Mjolnir. And the true names are known only to a few, a very blessed few. Only by their true name may the things of the earth be summoned. And... Uh, he, the, uh, the hammer comes to him and yeah this is not necessary because we know he can just call the hammer whatever he wants but anyway he uh, blasts the rocks up upward out of the hole with a giant Krazak and uh, thor goes flying up out of the hole and is, is sailing up into the air and crusher creel is there down below and thor says thou did speak of being free crusher creel only now do i remember other words Words of a pain which forced thee to seek me out, and so did lead to our battle in New York. I say a lot of things long here. That doesn't mean any of them are true. Thou dost seek to evade my meaning, says Thor. Know thou this, Crusher Creel. Thou shalt lie no more. And Thor wails on him with a giant crack, sends him flying backward and back into the water where uh, Thor had been uh, hit earlier. The water. No, that's not what I planned. Not the... And he's like, no! Everything's spinning. twisting inside and out. Can't
1: stop the spinning. Can't make it go away. It's happening. I can feel it bulging up inside me. I'm changing. Changing. Changing.
0: And he absorbs the properties of the water and is gone. So... I were led to believe that he disperses in the water, but I don't think that's really what's going on here. It was not my aim that he should end so,' says Thor. "'But in a way, tis fitting that a man who did live by hatred and death "'should find his death by absorbing the waters of life.'" And a uh, voice comes from behind Thor as he's uh, reflecting on this, and it says, "'Noble sentiments, Thunder God, and well may they soon apply to thee. "'Turn fool!' "'Turn and face the image of thy executioner.
1: "'Nay,
0: not thee, it cannot be thee.'" And he turns around and we get a full page here and we have Loki and he's sitting in one of these magenta trees looking, you know, of course, the classic Loki with the big horns coming out of his helmet and all this. "'Loki, god of mischief and madness.'" "'Thou dost flatter me, beloved half-brother. "'Loki be not god of madness.'" merely its manipulator. But just as I did use that misguided misanthrope to lure thee here to mystic New England, so do I use the madness of the world around me to keep thee here, and ultimately destroy thee. And um, Loki has uh, the two wolves with him, and the big dogs, and Satan and Diablo, and they're all glowing in orange, and going R-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r. Satan, Diablo, on my command. Kill! kill and they go lunging for thor and he is trying not to hurt them obviously and he says monster this be thy foulest deed to take harmless dogs and by thy magic transform them it is an affront to nature itself and they're attacking him and thor is having to fight back and it says his protest is lost swept back by the tide of battle a battle which goes quickly against him for he dare not strike nay he cannot strike not such as these innocence such as those he has always fought to protect. Instead, he moves rapidly, slamming them away from him, acting as only the Thunder God can. And we have him throwing the the dogs kind of away, and he's whirling his hammer around, and he creates a vortex, uh, like an Ajax white tornado thing, and he's sending the dogs away with the tornado. And one frantic movement is done. From out of nowhere, a whirlwind springs up, and in that vortex, two forms rise and vanish. "'Weakling,' says Loki, "'tis no wonder our father preferred thee to me. "'Thy heart be as warm as his.' "'Say not to me of Odin, Loki, for the All-Father hath seen fit to exile his only son.' "'Ever the smug one, eh, Thor. "'Always thou must remind me, for thou alone art his blood, "'where I am a foster heir only. "'So be it. "'Look behind me, brother.' Look at those whose souls will supply the power for the victory I plan, and it turns out to be the uh, parade people, and we have uh, the guy dressed as a clown, and we have the fake Doctor Doom and Scarlet Witch and Captain America, and we have Tom Figg and his Nighthawk, and Gwyneth Ween as uh, quote unquote Power Girl, and looks like looks like Buddy Hackett, <laughs> um, anyway, um, anyway. So Thor is saying. Uh, Tark, demon, I say thee nay. Not while Thor doth live, wilt thou steal life from these innocent few? The solution appears painfully obvious, my histrionic friend. The son of Odin must die, and at the hand of those he would save, let the fire sword appear. And uh, Loki summons a sword, and it does indeed appear to be on fire. And the two of them are squaring off against each other uh, in a, like a melee.
1: Now, as guardian, we shall see whose flesh bears
0: noble blood; this blade embodies the life-force of all I hold entranced, and so shall we see which be stronger thy strength or Loki's craft tis a craft which hath performed miracles. Thundergod, for as it hath fashioned a blade, bites even thy immortal skin. that craft hath also worked to free me from mangog's amber prison, and this is going back to. You know, mighty thor number 195 by giving me control over the very fiber of the prison itself control enough to levitate the glass-like shell and to fly it here so this is the uh the fake meteor that we saw land last issue to thee die my brother die and he's slashing at thor with the uh the sword it looks like he, he burns his arm uh using the the fire sword And we shift scenes to uh, Sif and Hildegard, and they are kind of tussling, and Hildegard is trying to stop Sif from going to help Thor. And um, Sif says,
1: "'Release me, Hildegard. Let me go to him. Canst thou not see he doth need my aid?' "'Please, my lady, stay thy hand. "'Tis a fight Thor must win alone. "'Thou dost know it is so.' "'Yea, Hildegard, I know it. "'But what doth knowing matter?' My heart doth control me, and not that I may do, not that I may know can make that organ understand. What is this?
0: And there's a green glow appearing in the, in the sky.
1: The sky before me doth tear asunder, like a rift
0: in the fabric of space itself. And there's a green glow in the sky, and the, uh, the green glow forms into the figure of Carnilla. It says, before startled eyes, the mystic glow billows, ripples like waves of light and dark. And within those waves a shadowy form appears, firms and faces the stunned warriors, for this is Carnilla, queen of the Norns.
1: Carnilla, hast thou word from Asgard? Doth Odin relent, and even now turn to his loving son? Nay, tis a private matter which doth bring me to earth, says Carnoa. My search for Balder, whom do I do truly love? I do need thine aid, Asgardian, and in return I will save thy noble thunder god." Nay, says if take thy magics elsewhere, if Thor doth fall before foul Loki, at least he doth fall a hero, and no sorcerer's mindless puppet. And
0: we shift back to that sorcerer's mindless puppet, as he is fighting against Loki, and the two of them are still tussling here. It says puppet or man, the thunder god's fight goes badly. As with a blow, Loki strikes the hammer from Thor's hand. "'and prepares for a more deadly thrust. "'And uh, with that strike it looks like he also hit Thor's shoulder, "'which seems to be on fire. Er, "'Thor is saying, "'Not so quickly, half-brother. "'Thine eagerness doth betray thy skill. "'Again thou dost mock me, Thor. "'Thy words will make a fitting epitaph, "'for thou hast always scorned me so, "'and thou wilt pay for thine envy.' "'Envy,' says Thor, "'twas thou who felt envy.' "'thou who sought ever before my defilement of our father Odin.' "'Not so, brother. "'Thinkest thou I was blind? "'Oh, I saw, Thundergod, the way thou didst beg Odin's sole attention, "'the way thou didst steal the love which should have been mine. "'I saw, Thor. "'Yea, I saw it all.' "'I say thee nay,' says Thor, kicking Loki right in the crotch "'and doing like a, a judo throw, throwing him into some rocks.' "'Twas never that way! Never! "'Whatever thou didst see was in thy mind alone. "'Odin was ever fair, yea, and more than fair. "'Twas thy twisted view which saw it otherwise. "'But it matters not, for the battle will soon be over, "'and thou in prison once more.'" And Thor goes to grab the fiery sword that the Loki has dropped, but uh, Loki steps on his hand, and he says, "'A pleasant dream, brother!' A dream, and no more. Already thirty seconds hath passed since thy hammer left thy hand. Thirty more, and thou wilt be the mortal Dr. Donald Blake. And then I will strike, and then wilt thou end. And Loki will reign supreme. And we shift to Sif and the Carnilla. And Sif is like,
1: Nay, it cannot be, Norn Queen. Thou must help, thou must. In but twenty brief and passing seconds, Thor will be thunder god no more. Then thou dost agree to aid me in my quest. What else may I do? Have I a choice? Nay, my lady, no
0: choice at all. And Skarnoa she begins to cast a spell.
1: Heavens above, seas below, to this place may thy powers flow. She who doth hold the sacred Norn, leave not her fervent plea forlorn. Come from darkness, come from light. Take up this blessed sacred fight. And when the Norn queen doth command, bless with rain this naked land.
0: And it begins raining and thundering. And she's shooting like fire out of her hands into the sky. This is a big storm. And Loki is taken by surprise by this. He's like, what madness is this? One instant the twilight is clear, and the next, the elements do themselves rebel against thee. Loki says, "Thor, their breath doth revive my fading strength, and doth give me the will I need to speak the proper words that once again Mjolnir will be mine." And he summons Mjolnir back to his hand, and the fight is enabled once again with Thor shooting energy from his uh, through his hammer, and the storm. He takes control of the storm. It looks like. Eyes lit with a newfound energy, the fabled god of thunder rises. His hand lifts, his hammer glows, and bending strikes. And a giant lightning bolt comes uh, from the sky and hits Loki, and Loki's like, no! And it strikes the uh, flaming sword and destroys it. Thor gets his hammer back and it says, Tis done, the sword destroyed, it's captive's release. "'Even now they do turn and wander off "'like those waking from a dream, "'a passing nightmare. "'And thou, my brother, must we still battle? "'If so, and uh, Loki's like, "'Stay,
1: I'll not attack thee, Thor. "'Nay, never will Loki strike anyone ever again. "'The lightning hath stolen the light from my eyes. "'All is in darkness. "'All is night, midnight, midnight, "'forevermore.'
0: and yeah his eyes are all blunked out and and white uh, looks like the irises and pupils of his eyes are gone and we shift scenes uh, once again and we are uh back with the the four riders or the three riders and the colorist and the very noisy car and um, so the, they're they're standing and the car seems to be driving away without them it's going brack vroom brack and all this and uh and Steve says, my car. Blast it. Some dude stealing my car. Why didn't you guys stop him? With what, Steve, says Len? Bad breath? Len, Len, is that you? Glynis. Steve says, get to the reunions later, people. What are we going to do about my car? And Len says, five to one. The cops stop it because of the bad muffler, Steve. And uh, they're pointing, uh, Loki is following the uh, the car and and. uh Loki is like, uh, wait, stop, whoever thou art, stop. And uh, Steve is like, that guy in the Loki costume. And he's pointing at him, but uh, the car is on the edge of a cliff. And Loki goes hurling over the cliff. And he's going, I do need thine aid. I command thee to stop. I
1: command thee,
0: stop. And he's falling over the cliff. <laughs> and uh, Jerry's like, did you see that? He went over the cliff as though he couldn't see it. He must have been following the sounds of the car. And Gwyneth says, uh,
1: Len, I'm
0: beginning to remember.
1: Hold me, Len, please.
0: And we ship scenes back to uh, Thor, and he is rejoining Hildegard here on on the hilltop. And uh, he says, Hildegard, where's my lady? Was she not with thee? Yea, my lord, she was. Quickly, Hildegard explains, and when she ends her tale, there is a moment of silence until thy beloved did leave with Carnilla, and she did promise, and in my heart, I know ne'er shall we see either of them again. To be continued. Next issue, The Terror Beyond Time, and that is The Mighty Thor, number 207. We'll be talking all about this issue right after this message.
1: The Fantastic House is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of
0: Comics. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover each issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo of Marvel's first family. And in 2019, we begin our journey through the neon decade, the 1980s. Join us as we cover... All-time classic runs from John Byrne and Walt Simonson. She-Hulk and Sharon Ventura join The Fantastic Four. The Invisible Girl No More.
1: Here comes The Invisible Woman. Spin-off series including Marvel 2-in-1 and The Thing. Marvel's Secret Wars, The Trial of Reed Richards and more. Find us at theFantasticast.com on iTunes and all other podcast services. The Fantastic Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what?
0: And we're back. And of course, we have a few things to say about the issue, as we always do. And so, um, yeah, so let's, let's start talking about the story first, because I think this is probably what I have the least things to say about. The story itself is pretty much just fighting. It's, there's really nothing interesting going on here. The really interesting thing that happens in the issue, of course, I mean, the return of Loki, meh. Nah. You know it's it's really not anything wonderful, especially in a in this case where his motivation obviously is to destroy Thor or whatever. But his plan is very poor he's gonna he's going to defeat Thor by attacking him with dogs because that always works, and then he's going to attack them with this sword, which is fueled by the life force of the people from the Halloween parade. Again, it's kind of weak sauce, isn't it? It's really not anything special. Uh, Conway here is really not interested in what's going on here, the Thor-Loki thing. Um, We've got the subplot with Sif and Hildegard. This is obviously setting up something for later. And, uh, you know, Sif goes off with Carnilla to to go find Balder. Okay, I I get that. That's just kind of leading to something else. I'm not going to really talk about that. I do need to interject here that I'm not real impressed with the way Jerry Conway writes Sif. She's a very strong character when written well, and here I don't feel like she's really being written well. In fact, I think she's being treated kind of as a weakling all throughout this last few issues, and I'm wondering if this is a sort of a I don't know, a characteristic of Jerry Conway's handling of female characters, or if he's making that a deliberate choice. I guess we'll see as we go along and do his run a little bit more. Um, the third thing that we're talking about here is this subplot going on. We've got Steve Engelhart, we've got Jerry Conway, and we've got Lennon Glynis Ween as characters in the story. Now, what's interesting about this is that this actually is a story that covers multiple issues during the same general time, both at Marvel and at DC. So this is, in very significant way, the first real Marvel-DC crossover. Now, I will uh, make a, a point of here, pointing out here, uh, we have a, a Marie Severin credit earlier in the issue, and it's not really clear exactly what she's doing. What she's doing is actually drawing the faces of these characters, of these Marvel writers and, and colorists. Um, so she's doing recognizable caricatures of Len Wein, Steve Englehart, Jerry Conway, and Glynnis Wein. So th- that's what that is what she's doing here. And th- it's kind of striking the how different the art style is <laughs> in the, uh, here. Um, but uh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about this crossover because, you know, this is the only chance that we're really going to see to actually cover it. So it says, in the fall of 1972, writers Steve Englehart, Jerry Conway, and Len Wein crafted a loose three-part story spanning titles from both companies. Each comic featured Englehart, Conway, and Wein, and Wein's first wife, Glynis, interacting with Tom Fagan and Marvel or DC villains and heroes. Beginning in Amazing Adventures number 16 by Englehart with art by Bob Brown and Frank McLaughlin, The Beast hitches a ride from Englehart, who was driving the Weens and Conway to Rutland. The story terminates after the Juggernaut attempts to steal Engelhart's car. The action continues in Justice League of America 103 by Ween, Dick Dillon, and Dick Giordano, with Batman and other JLAers who wind up leading the parade while attempting to capture Felix Faust. Faust ultimately steals Engelhart's car, but is pulled over by the police. In the third part of the unofficial crossover, Thor number 207 by Conway, John Bissell, and Vince Coletta, The three comics creators and one wife again visit Fagin, during which visit Engelhardt's car is stolen by the unseen and unmentioned DC villain, Felix Faust, as shown in JLA number 103. So the person who tried to steal the car that Loki was trying to hitch a ride with was another wizard, Felix Faust, (laughs) and he ends up going over the cliff because of it. So uh, yeah, so that is the um, kind of the official version of of this whole you know crossover though obviously you could go to the individual issues and and see you know how, how it actually went down uh there was a uh, a question i thought this is interesting a question on the um, letters page of what if number 22 and a reader says does rutland vermont annually become a nexus of reality similar to that existing in the swamp near citrusville florida Mark Grunewald says, while the Nexus in Citrusville is a natural aperture, the Nexus near Rutland is an artificial one that fluctuates in size and accessibility. Uh, So there's at least some official confirmation that some of these crossovers were real or quote-unquote real in comics form. So this is some of the kind of fun that you can have when you have so much cross-pollination between the two comics companies, between people who are writing a title for one company who have come from another company, blah, blah, blah. So um, now, as far as the real Rutland Halloween Parade, it is still ongoing even now today. Tom Fagan died in 2008 and was not really organizing it right before he died anyway. But apparently the, uh, the superhero slant of the parade still continues and still continues on in uh you know in in today so as of today when you're listening to this if you're listening to it on the day of release uh the Rutland parade will indeed be happening in Rutland all right so uh, let's talk a little bit about the art um the art is a little bit uneven like I said the the faces are are being redrawn uh with the characters of the of the writers and and Glynis uh by by Marie Severin this is really obvious because she's trying to make them actually look like the real people uh But the art other than that is kind of mediocre it 's not John Bicemma at his best it 's not horrible, but again it 's very sketchy. There are no backgrounds i you know again I, you have to wonder with the uh, you know the inks by coletta he 's just doing what he can not to show any background yeah i don't know if the backgrounds were actually drawn or not. It looks to me like the they were composed without backgrounds. And I'm guessing that they kind of knew there's because of the rain and, and a lot of the other effects that you have going on, and a lot of times your background against just a solid color, or you know against against the sky, which is you know you got the moon and stars in it. But yeah, again, very simplistic art, uh, and not a good combination with with Bissema and Coletta. And, and and it, it more is the pity because you know John Bissema is a very good. Artist and, and a very good Thor artist, so it, it kind of it's it's annoying to see that the art is not looking great for the for this entire issue. I think the probably the pages that are the strongest are the ones that Coletta took the most interest in, and in, in those cases, it was the scenes with Sif and Hildegard and Carnilla, and I think that those probably are the best looking pages as far as the the faces and the figures go, uh, and everything else seems very, very glossed over. The one full page here of Loki sitting in the magenta tree and the the dogs, you know, getting ready to attack Thor, that's a pretty cool shot, too. I mean, again, there's absolutely no background except for a circle, which which is the moon. And of course, because it's Halloween, it's a full moon, you know, that's that's the way it works in Marvel. But anyway... Yeah, the, the only pages that we really get any background at all, looks like the, the pages where um, the writers are, are sitting in the diner. In the, here you actually see some cars in the parking lot. You actually have a waitress and you have tables and things. But again, that's a rarity in this issue. Most of the rest of it is really, really basic. All right, and that is about all I have for this week, folks. Once again, thanks very much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And of course, if you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is RadioFreeAsgard at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us over on Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard there, and you will find us. With that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, Send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free
1: Asgard.